Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the Soundtrack to a Life. Welcome back to the Soundtrack to a Life. I am Chris, once again. With me once again is Jojo. Hi, Jojo! Hello! And Jojo and I are here listening to Above and Beyond's 2018 album, Common Ground. Jojo, tell us about this record. Uh, this... What is your relationship with this piece of music? I found this record relatively recently, going over some stuff that I was breezing over. I found this actually through another song by Above and Beyond. I accidentally hit their YouTube page, and I was finding that song again. Ironically, I actually hit the button where it's just like, you find the channel. And there was like, this whole new album. I'm like, click it. And then that's how that magic managed to happen. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. What was the uh, what was the song that originally got you to this band? Just to this album alone, it was Sahara Love. The original song was, oh, it's a, uh, I forget. Fair enough. Well, I had um, I had literally never heard of these guys before, so I was going in with no preconceived notions about what this was going to sound like, which is unusual for this show. A lot of the guests on here bring records by artists I'm baseline familiar with, but have never listened to in any kind of depth. So literally no <laughs> sense of these people before I dug into it this time around. Uh, it was kind of a fun angle from which to approach it. My personal history with this band is, like, is very shallow. It's one of those things where it's just, Heard a thing, kind of liked it, Googled it later, and I was like, yeah, I actually like this. And then just repeat that process for the amount of times I've been working at Flame Central slash The Palace. Yeah, but that's frequently how uh, you'll discover bands. I know a few bands who I... The story is just me running up to a DJ at one in the morning at a nightclub and going, who the fuck is this? Because I need to get it immediately. <laughs> and having okay. the DJ go, oh, that's B-Born Baton. Great, I'm going to go check that out. That's exactly half the time when I, when I like... I'll run up to someone and just go, what is this? <laughs> and they'll just tell me. Yeah, they had a place in Edmonton. I forget what it was called. It might have been Suburbs, but I might be thinking of someplace else. Hmm. But the nightclub had a independent record store in the hallway on your way out so that you could run to the DJ, scream, what is this song? Run to the record store, buy that CD, and then and take it with you at the end of the night, and then Beautiful. sober you in the morning. Wakes up in the morning, and there's like this random CD just sitting on a table neatly for you. Yeah, yeah, that uh, drunk you bought as a gift for sober you. <laughs> I love it. To enjoy. Yeah, it was good. I got a few records that way. But yeah, above and beyond. The first uh, track here is instrumental ambient music in like a borderline Brian Eno kind of way, which kept me very off guard for when the second uh, mm -hmm. track was like a full-on club jam. Which is fun, because I like both of those things. I was absolutely listening to a Brian Eno piece of instrumental ambient I've never music. heard of Brian Eno, Go so on. I don't... The reference is where... I would heartily recommend him. Okay. Uh, he makes really good electronic music for just sitting around chilling out to. That's like the, my style... Of, that's almost actually, actually my style of music, where it's just like, if I could just sit down, have coffee, and just ponder over seven, eight things in my mind, whether it be cosplay, Magic the Gathering, skateboards, League of Legends, 
Literally anything else. Ambient is good music to center yourself to. It's less songs than sounds. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that's all you need. You just need for your room to not be quiet. And I do think once they get into club music that is really effective, it's simple and driving and fun. It's the kind of music that fills a dance floor and doesn't ask for too much analysis, which I find very funny because you gave it to me specifically to analyze. <laughs> <laughs> And my first thought is, this is not a record that you should think about too hard. Now, let's think about it real fucking hard. <laughs> and there's the, there's the problem, that's, which I have naturally by myself. I will take something that is a fiscally simple concept and overtly break it down for no apparent reason. This album is pretty much the over-analysis of what I would normally do, just on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, they're very good at making the kind of music that they make, I think. I think it would fill a dance floor really well. I think that it's good music to move your body to. I feel, in a way, like I was being unfair to this band. Oh, no. By sitting down with a laptop open and taking notes on it while I was listening to, where probably I should have been on some combination of club drugs and alcohol among 400 other people enjoying this record in the same way. Like, I actually, it's funny, like, I was in my, I was in my house, and I was, like, going through the whole album front to back. The second that the club tracks come on, I'm just like, I naturally didn't even think about it. I stopped, got up off of my seat, didn't even think about picking notes on that, and just just like screaming the lyrics at the top of my lungs because I knew them off my heart. Nice. Yeah, I feel like that's the correct way to listen to music like this. Like, I listened to it sober on my couch taking notes for the purpose of discussing this record in depth later. <laughs> Well, yeah, it should have been a deafening volume. I should have been drunk. There should have been, like, flashing lights going directly into my eyes. Um, One of the things that I noticed while sitting down to really pay attention to this is that an album of dance music in itself is kind of a weird proposition. Like, it should be a single track mixed in with a hundred other tracks. This uh, show is meant to celebrate the album as a form. But there are definitely genres of music that benefit from the three, four, five-minute dance as hard as you can for as long as you can. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) And then we're going to give you a completely different thing afterwards to transition you out of that. Just makes, it's like, it builds you up to that point where it's like, because this is the perfect one, because the first song and the second song actually go together really well. Yeah. Because the first song instantly transitions in the second song. You don't even realize that the second song has been playing by the time, and then you realize, there's lyrics to this. Oh, wait, this is the second track. That transition alone is so beautifully done. It boggles my mind every time I go through that whole process. Because I'll go through the process, I'm like, okay, this is super chill, I can have a coffee, whatever. And it's just like, wait a minute, I recognize this. And I'm like, oh yeah, wait, it's the second song song on the album again. And then once you separate them songs separately, that's when you notice that separation. Like, you'll notice where it actually cuts off from the first track and the second track, and then the second track and the third track. The third track and the second track, though, it does, it feels like there is a bit of harder separation. The first two tracks, you'll get that natural flow, and it's just beautiful. But yeah, there's a real, uh, there's a real energy to this, which is fun to me. I don't, obviously, due to my age, crush nightclubs the way that I did at, say, 22. But, like, if you threw this song at a 22-year-old Chris Monroe... Oh, no, yeah, you'd have killed totally it. Jam this it. is the kind of nonsense where I'd have downed five shots and wound up dancing topless on a speaker somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> sure, yeah, I was a fuckboy at 22. Who cares? 
My current Club Kid Club of Choice is specifically designed for the olds to get a nostalgia push, and that's fine, just fine. But yeah, I had a ridiculous 20s. I enjoy the contrast of the vocals versus the um, tracks over which they're being sung as well. I think there's really an openness and a sincerity to the singers, which interplays uh, nicely with the artificiality of the music that's being sang so, to. So the singers in this case, Zoe Johnston, Richard Bedford, Justine Suzina? Suiza? Let's see, Marty Longstaff's on this list as well, and that's kind of it. Yeah, they're cycling through a variety of different singers, which I'm also into. This style of music, at its worst, can get a little bit samey, and mixing up who is singing what song does a lot of work to prevent that, I think. Of course. And like the one thing I also enjoyed about it is like you, you'll get the very airy vocals of Zoe Johnston, and then it contrasts right into, like, Richard Bedford. Yeah. Which is, like, it's really, it's not, he's not what I consider, it's not, like, greasy in the way. Do you think about that? Yeah, it's, like, a more muscular-sounding vocal. It's it's a lot deeper. You can tell he's right in his element for that one. Every song is a bit of a knockout in the park, except one. Which one? Naked. That's the fourth song on the track, after right after Northern Soul. It felt rushed. It felt like you didn't give you didn't give it enough time to really give it that space to develop cuz every time I go through it I I feel like it's the song that just didn't get enough love from an artist. Yeah, like it needed to breathe more. They needed more time with it to figure out what it was supposed to sound like before yeah. they put it down. And then they kind of just like and and out the door you go. But other than that, the album is relative is a relative mixed basket of good cleanly edited tracks. Yeah, it's all really expertly put together. Are the vocalists part of the group, or are they guest vocalists being brought in by the producers? Do you know? uh, I don't actually remember off the top of my head. I know that the three main guys on there from Above and Beyond, I don't believe they sing on this track. If I'm wrong, and I totally can be wrong, no, blame me on in, Twitter. In a lot of these bands, the uh, people putting together the tracks don't do the singing themselves. But I know Zoe Johnson's definitely been a guest on this track. Richard Bedford, maybe? No, I mean, they have, yeah, no, they do um, cycle through. But no, they don't have, like, a main vocalist, is what I'm getting Yeah, at. it's not like a normal band where you yeah, have, like, they, the main vocalist. They'll bring in different singers, mm -hmm. depending it, on what the song needs. Because if you think about it, this is, like, an EDM group. So it's not, like, you'll have the, the person who actually does the singing. So if you see someone like Gareth Emery, you'll bring in, like... Bo Bruce or Christina Novelli. But, like, if you see, watch Christina Novelli perform, which she does, like, her own DJ thing, this is actually kind of weird because she actually will do her own singing parts for songs that she's performed in. And that's totally fine, cool. That's also really cool about that because you get that mix. Whereas here is, like, you could clearly tell the three gang guys don't really sing a word on the track, but the stuff that they put down together, just tenfold beautifully done. Yeah, that was a, um, standing bet that I had with every electronic music act when there were still music videos being played on actual television was if it's a dance music and there are two human beings in the video who don't sing or seem to be doing much of anything. They definitely wrote and produced this song and then hired both of these singers <laughs> just 100% of the time. The two ugly dudes standing in the back <laughs> right. have done all of the work making this piece of music happen. <laughs> and they literally just like, here, sing this, and gather all of the fame off us. 
and then we'll just occasionally bring you into a show. Have you seen that one part? And dance on stage, because yeah. that's what everybody else is wanting to you to do anyway. Like, one member of Prodigy puts together every Prodigy record. Oh. Which, like, the other guys rap. Oh, yeah. And that's important, but let's remember, for the first two Prodigy records, there was no rapping. What the fuck were the other three people in that band doing? <laughs> is that, so that Prodigy, that's, um, I'm trying to remember one of the songs off the Firestarter. Top. Right. Would be the main one. Right, 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 right. That was the period in which I was listening to a lot of electronic music. That kind of late '90s, early 2000s. I didn't um, like. I didn't mind that. Prodigy, Chemical Brothers, Daft Punk's first record. Did you get Mr. Oizo's Flatbeat? No, give I did that, not. Give that a whirl. It's right, it's well, it's it? super chill. It's like it's one of the chill more vibes. I, I think this is why I've become a little bit more pickier when it comes to like EDM. So I won't listen to something like. Like current tritonal, eh, little dicey twenty two on. Most current EDM artists, I'm not too sticking towards, like getting towards. Um, dubstep doesn't appeal to me. I like dubstep as a flavor that you could mix with other styles of music. I could not get into dubstep when it was just here is an hour of dubstep for you to enjoy. Yeah, I couldn't get there either. It, like, I've been introduced to different uh, dubstep artists as, you know, as I, as I was working. But during the, like, brief period where indie bands would start putting glitchy dubstep break in the middle of an unrelated song, I did find that kind of cute. <laughs> it's a nice tact, but, not, like, it's not my flavor. I guess I don't have the same appreciation for it as, it, as other people's. Because I've seen it, I've seen it done. Like, there's a couple of K-pop artists that I've seen, ironically, from Korea. Who'd have thought that reaches that, that other side of the world? I didn't think so. They started doing it, and it's just like, it comes out of nowhere. Yep. And you're like, huh, okay. And then you don't really think about it again. And then there's the, you know, they start with dubstep, they finish with dubstep. It's dubstep, dubstep, dubstep all the way through. That never was my preference. That feels like a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, that feels a little bit exhausting. Um, it's hard selling dubstep is the same for me. And then... It gets weird after that, because it's like, there'll be some artists that I do like, and then there's like, like a really big list of artists that I'll respect, but won't have that same, oh, I love you to the end of the earth and back yep. style. And then there's just artists that I just don't particularly like, not particularly respecting of, and just don't particularly have that fondness of. Fair enough. I think that's true in every style of music. Although I'll admit, the listing of EDM subgenres... Mm -hmm. goes entirely over my head. I could rattle off uh, indie goth or punk subgenres for about like three hours. <laughs> but the period in which I was immersed in this kind of culture kind of ended when my body grew too old to dance in a warehouse until six in the morning, <laughs> True. tell someone that I loved them, and then not give them a ride home. Oh. <laughs> oh. I that, mean, like, that, that first teleport sounded really good, and then you kind of just went, the, the person who tells you that they love you while they're dancing with you at a warehouse until six in the morning... Isn't the person that... Is not still your friend come morning. They won't remember you. <laughs> True. Some drugs told you that they loved you <laughs> while wearing a human suit. That is very true. This has been a public service announcement from the soundtrack to a life. Was this the first one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably. Getting back to the album, yeah. uh, there isn't some other de details I do want to touch on this, and that's kind of like on the level of Naked. 
Is It Love, the 1001? Yeah. It's a very chill, but it's like, if you ever went to, this is going to be a huge Calgary reference, and so if you guys don't live in Calgary, a lot don't of the references are very Calgary. Fair enough. I, if you ever went to Made by Marcus and just like hung out there and just was just eating ice cream there that day, this is that kind of song. I'll buy that. And then Cold Feet feels a lot like Naked. Great song. Well produced. Again, feels like it's rushed. And then Tightrope feels like it was just, somebody just cut it short. Because you have two amazing drops on that song, and I love them both. But the fact of the matter is that they, they cut it at a four-minute part in a section where the song actually is seven minutes, and there's this three-minute intro section. Yeah. So it does like a two-parter where it's like the three-minute intro of, of song one, which, if I remember the name correctly, which I should because I Googled it, the inconsistency principle. And then you get the song parts, the actual part of the song, which in this case, if going with the song one, song two part, inconsistency principle and my own hymn. Oh, That's yeah. That's the first two tracks. If you look at, if you actually go and Google off or YouTube off the original track for Tightrope, which is the song I'm making the reference to, there is a seven minute version. And if you actually listen it to it through it start to finish, it feels like two separate tracks. Why wouldn't they just do that? Beats me. I guess they didn't have enough room on the C- on the CD to make it happen. Make it a double. Or just like cut one of the songs that don't work. This is a genre of music where groups routinely get away with 10 or 12 or 15 minute songs. We're in that age now where you can easily go 15 to X amount of songs how many you do because let's face it, who uses C- like I get why people use CDs still. But, like, how many people nowadays just have a laptop with iTunes? Yeah, everyone. Everyone is using some manner of streaming service or some manner of MP3 service or vinyl if they want to have the physical experience of going to a place and shopping for a thing. Of course. How much music can fit on a CD is completely irrelevant to the music-making process. So if the seven- or eight-minute version sounds better, use the seven- or eight-minute version, dicks! And, like... I wouldn't mind, in the context of just getting a specific products, they had two versions of the same thing. So you have the album cover. Yeah. And somehow you, you managed to get just a little bit thicker, just to incorporate the disc on one side and a USB stick on the other. Why not? It's $20 more. You yep. upsell that. You Sure. There you go. Well, like, above and beyond, if you ever manage to hear this, I don't know how you will. I don't know, term searching themselves. Probably. Actually, a couple of these episodes got discovered by the band that I'm talking about. Really? Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Like, for the like smaller scale bands or the medium scale bands. True. Who are still term searching themselves looking for decent publicity. There you go. Because any pub- hey man, you gotta get your hustle on. True. That's the music industry. True. The thing about the seven minute version of the song, in this case, and in every case for dance music though. Yes. I'll bet money that the um, seven-minute version of the song is a remixed version that came out like six to eight months after the record came out is why it's not on there. I, like somebody I else want was... to say that you're wrong, but my, my gut says that you're right. Yeah. And I'll have to definitely double-check the dates between the, the album actual release and then the song itself being released separately. And if there is like a discrepancy that you say there is, yeah, cause, I'll definitely let you know. Because that is, that is with dance music one of the real upsides as a genre is that you can go back and have another kick at a song that you were wondering how it would go produced very differently. That's like the uh, Gareth Emery remix of Church's Bury It. 
I don't know if you heard that one. I haven't heard that remix, no. I'll, I'll have to send it to you. Cool. Worth a listen to. Um, I actually showed that one to a friend of mine. She's She really enjoyed it. Nice. So, it's worth a kick. I like churches. Yeah. They're a great song group. Yeah. It's like, I can't tell if they're an EDM group or just like a song group. They just brought in other people. So, again. Yeah, they feel like a... Lost. Like somewhere around like a synth pop type band, but with a lot more structure in their songwriting than you would get with contemporary dance music. So I don't like a chromio, right? A little bit. Gotcha. I will have to take a minute in order to rant gushingly and very specifically about the song Sahara Love. I love that. It's so good. Like some of this was coming off a little bit clunky to me or something Mm -hmm. that I have aged out of. But Sahara Love is fucking perfect. Right? Like it's really contemporary, but also throwbacky. The guitars sound a little bit New Order. The vocals sound very soaring and aha. It has a huge, really hooky, grabby chorus, and I just adored it. It's easily the best track on here. It's a little bit genre pastiche, but it's really expertly pulled off, and it's really expertly updated. Oh, beautiful. It was just one of those tracks that it's just like, here's what I'm thinking when they like finally put the song together and it's all finished and done. They're just, just like... We've got something. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But it's like, you have that gut feeling in that part where you just sit there and you're just like, you finish something and it's like, this shit is going to hit the fan. And when it does, we're gone. Yeah. It's so good. It also recontextualized the record previous to that. Right. Having heard it, because my second listen through, the bits that weren't working were a lot of the time moments where they were trying to sound like Sahara Love and not quite getting there. I haven't heard any of the albums before that, so I'll have to go through that. Oh, any of the songs before that on the album, I mean. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's such a fun one to listen to. It also made me, like, real angry that New Order and AHA never worked together. But I guess everybody involved with both of those bands are still alive, so. So it's a po- there's a possibility. It's a little, I mean. It's a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Almost if, certainly. They've each got their own someone, things going on. someone like yourself somehow manages to both message AHA and New World Order to yeah. get, get together and just go, AHA World Order? How hard, how hard could that be? They're just two of the biggest bands in the fucking world. <laughs> <laughs> Not difficult at all. <laughs> Managerial they, stuff. They might need the boost. They're definitely selling out stadiums everywhere in the world, literally right now, without my help, and there's nothing that I could offer to make that easier for them. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> hey, hey, if, it's, if it means that it's going to be a $70 ticket, I will definitely pay the $70 plus the whatever flight charge I need to go to see these guys in person. Almost certain. Almost certainly. Do these guys play live? They do. They did a concert over at, uh, what was it? It's not, it's not the back alley anymore. Oh, Marquee? Yeah, they told, they did a live concert. Oh, nice. Marquee. Nice. When was that? A couple months ago. Nice. Right? Did you go? No, I Dude. missed it. Dude! I literally was just leaving, like, at, at the time, it was just like, by the time I got out of work, the concert was almost over, so I was just like, I can uh, go. that checks out. And then they had, now they're in, I, I believe right now they're sitting around Asia or something? That seems like a good gig. Like, the worst comes the worst. You just listen to your podcast. Yeah, that's true. They have, they have a podcast going on. Oh, nice. That makes sense to me. It's 2018, everybody has a fucking podcast. I don't. Yeah, but you did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I tried it. You know what? <laughs> to, to be fair, here's the, I don't mean to go off on a tangent real quick. Let me indulge myself on this one. I tried to do a podcast called Car- The Heart of the Cards. It was supposed to be a training card podcast focused on Magic the Gathering. 
And I tried to bring in people that would be talk magic and just shoot the shit. Didn't happen. What? Basically, I think about a month in, I was running out of content, and I was like, I can't keep talking about spoilers the way that limited resources... No, you need a built-in audience before they start handing you spoilers. Yeah, and that was the thing. Just like, Magic the Gathering was not an easy thing to get into. And then all of a sudden, like, you get something... Now there's, like, Commander Smiths, which is, like, two cousins going at it. There's so many Magic podcasts. So many. Every so often I'll get into one. Here's my thing about gaming podcasts in general. And I wonder if people get that from this when I talk about a band that they've never heard of, like Above and Beyond, for example. (laughs) But they will reference cards that I don't know off the top of my head. And I'm listening while walking to work and I don't know what it does. And now I don't know what you're talking about. I've gotten that a couple times. Some places are getting really good at it. So if you listen to Limited Resources, they'll explain the card right off the hop. They don't even give you a second to think about what does this card do again? They just tell you. No, those guys are professional. Uh-huh. If I um, ever played Limited, I would still be listening to that show. I, I try to. I like it. I just don't have time to go play more I games than I do. Yeah. I the life of an adult is... A job that is in the evening, and I have three or four hours of work to get one of these going. But yeah, basically, I, tried, I, I got about 20 episodes in, and I kind of just cut it. That makes sense. The secret is to get way ahead of it. Right. Uh, for example, we're recording this right after I've seen the Melvins and the week before Folkfest and Terminus happen simultaneously. Oh, that's going to be a crazy number. Uh, by the time it comes out, January, <laughs> I have months of these backed up. Oh, wow. You're set. Yeah, no, I'm very organized. So I could easily say by the time we recorded this podcast, Above and Beyond was in Asia. That's absolutely good. Okay. Because... I don't want to confuse your audience being like, and they were in Asia at this time? And it's like January and they're like totally not in Asia. I mean, I don't have that much audience in Asia, so it's not like people are going to fly there to see them. True, true. Though we will put a link to the uh, touring dates in the show notes. You definitely miss them in Calgary because I am a bad podcaster and I don't get musicians out in time for you to see them live. (laughs) The Melvins were pretty fun. You won't be able to go see that either. And by the time you're hearing this, Folkfest is long since gone, and it's probably snowing. Yep. And I'm going to assume if you're listening to this, you did go to either Folkfest or Terminus. Or you're like me, probably doesn't have enough money for it, and probably didn't go. God, so expensive. Right? Uh, I already spent so much money on concert tickets this year. Oh, I feel so bad for you. I regret nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you shouldn't. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm having to sell my magic cards just to try and fly to Vancouver. Seems fun, though. Three weeks, three different cons? Fuck it. Yeah, what shows are... Oh, yeah, you're going to every convention in the world this summer. Actually, it's like three conventions in three weeks in, like, the span of two provinces. That seems fun. Yeah, it's not it's not bad either. So the uh, Drumheller Con, which one is that? That's the last one I'm going to. Yeah, yeah, but what is it? What are they celebrating? I flippantly said dinosaurs when you arrived. But <laughs> yeah. I assume that it is not a celebration of dinosaurs. It is although... not. It's like, so... I don't know if you've actually been to an anime convention. I have not. I'm not a huge anime guy. Fair enough. So it's basically like a celebration of anime, Japanese culture, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a comic con, but with anime instead of comics. Basically, yeah. I could understand that reference. Perfect. And then the one in uh, Vancouver is the same. Same thing. Sort of deal. Same thing. Nice. And Edmonton is just that in three days. Nice. Are they getting uh, any kind of marquee guests that you're freaking out about? Vancouver, there's a... Twitch person that they're bringing in, I'm not too over the moon for. 
Actually, the big one was Odafest this year. They brought in a guy from Overwatch. So a lot of people will have heard, but oh yeah, but of his name already. But he does the voice of McCree. Mm, yeah, it's fun. Pain the butt. It was an absolute pain in the butt, and I didn't manage to get to see him, which sucks because I was up at four a.m. on on Sunday for the last set of tickets to get his signing with my Overwatch game box in my bag, full dressed up, head to toe in uniform, on the way to down into downtown. Get a text message from a friend of mine saying, "Oh yeah, the tickets are sold out already." That was just a mistake on Odafest's part. I mean, time saver though. Uh, they didn't make you wait in line for two hours and then tell you. Oh, yeah. And we went to um, HorrorCon this year because we go every year. And I wanted to get like a seventh dude who played Jason in a Friday the 13th movie. Wasn't that To sign my year? comprehensively signed... Oh, no. I have um, several Jason autographs. I'm just trying to remember when HorrorCon horror happens. Oh, like a month ago. Oh, yeah. That's really weird. Yeah, it's in the spring. But they announced last minute that the girl from Exorcist was showing up as well. What? And she is too famous for Calgary's HorrorCon, it turns out. So good for them for being able to get her. Yeah, no kidding. And I was kind of excited about getting to meet her. And then I saw the line once. And just said, and went, hard uh, nope, I'm only up one day. Yeah. I'm going to meet Jason. I'm going to tell him how important that franchise was to me growing up. I'm going to see some cool cosplay. I'm going to buy some nerdy horror trash. And then I'm going to ski-daddle to work and leave this two-and-a-half-hour line to say hello to somebody for five seconds and get an autograph. Yeah, that doesn't seem worth it. That, that was the same problem at Overfest. They brought in somebody that, was, that became way too famous for the managers to make sure everything was going fine. They ran out of tickets all four times, including the VIP event. The VIP event, which I had access to, yet did not know at all. Oh, when, no. Yeah. Turns out, when you ask the event staff when, when something happens, and they don't have an answer, you don't have an answer. That <laughs> seems badly organized. It was badly organized, but you know, that, I would have fessed aside. Uh, overall, it was still a great event. Hooray. Which I've had a lot of fun. Yeah. So it's like, for you, it's HorrorCon. For me, that's yeah. the best. Conventions are fun. Always. I enjoy, and this is to tie it back to this record, because I'm a very professional person. Um, <laughs> I just enjoy the energy of crowds. Right? Like, if you put 3,000 people in a room who all love the same thing, and then you unleash that thing into the room, I'm going to have a good time, regardless of what that is. Right. I won't understand an anime convention, but I have zero doubt that I would have a blast going to one. I would be exhausted by the end of an Above and Beyond concert, but I'm sure that I would really get off on the energy. Right. Like, there's just... Something to hundreds of people all loving the same thing that is inspiring to me. So if I managed to make you go by some sort of fiscal reason, I just drop you in the middle of Electric Daisy Carnival, you'd just be like, I know exactly what's happening. Dude, I'm trying to figure out whether I want to go to Insane Clown Posse next month. That sounds like a really good idea. Right? At the same those time... Guy, those guys are the best. They're not. Awesome. Necessarily insane clown posse, <laughs> but juggalos. I've never heard like of growing up all of their uh, like demon clown painted fans. Oh yeah, this could just be a holdover from growing up a uh, punk goth kid in the eighties and nineties. Your youth subculture choice should potentially get you punched in the face. <laughs> Otherwise, 
you're not youth subculturing hard enough. Like, True. you should get the fuck out there and make some bold choices with your life. This matters, and it's going to reflect on the kind of person that you develop into. And juggalos are out there crushing it every day. They are forming communities of demon clown painted, oh rap rock, metal hybrid listening, whoop whoop shouting people. And that's just their fan base, right? That's the fan base. Yeah, like there's this whole like weird community that's grown up about it and it fascinates me. That's really interesting. Um, I want to go to their giant annual gathering. What? There's a giant annual gathering of Juggalos every year. That sounds like an absolute... Yeah, they're so into it. Awesome. And I love it. If you want an example of somebody who is living their best life in a way that you don't necessarily ever understand properly, (laughs) you could do a lot worse. And I kind of want to see Insane Clown Posse when they come to town next month. That sounds like a good Experience some of that energy. See if I'm exhausted by the end. Because that also is a risk, I will admit. I expect somebody, if they're not tired by the end of an ICP concert, they totally did it wrong. And just for any experience that is not your experience, by the end of this Above and Beyond record, I was enjoying it less. And I realized that I wasn't enjoying it less because the songs were getting worse. You were enjoying it less. I just had less energy to devote to appreciating the band Above and Beyond. Because the first, as it wore on, because the first couple of five tracks were just knockout. Yeah, well, plus it's just it's EDM, which is not my genre. Yeah, and I'm listening to it while taking notes, uh, which is not the correct way to listen to mm-hmm, it. True. And it's not something that I would naturally gravitate toward. And the initial hit of energy from this is incredibly high energy music was starting to wear off, and I was starting to get to a point where I was running into a wall. Yeah. And then I listened to it on my walk to work the following day. And started at the halfway point, and it was fine. I liked it a lot. I apparently can listen to any 20 minutes of this record and have a really good time doing it. So if you listen to this in like 20 minute sections, yeah. you could just go through the whole thing and you're yeah. never really going to get burned out. Literally any 20 minutes from this record, I could listen to and enjoy a lot. And then no matter how it was sequenced, after that, my attention to it would start to taper off. That's what I've got too. Like I'll, I'll get to... You get the nice little build-up, you get the one song that hits you, like, super hard, and you're super high energy, and you're just like, yeah! Woot! Yeah! And then you're kind of just like, okay, we're getting off this train It's now. kind of, it's kind of a lot, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I could use this inter- and I, I think this other is, dance music. I don't know if it's me, because I'm probably five years younger than you. Yeah. Somewhere in there. On top of that, I've kind of lived that life through my, like, 18, 22. Yeah. Like, I maybe not look it, but I'm 25. Like, I just had my 25th on the 23rd. What was that, by the way? It was faux, skateboards, free Starbucks, then Magic the Other. That sounds like a super chill way to uh, celebrate a birthday. Yeah, it was. And now you can rent a car. Right. Specifically, you can go to Las Vegas, Nevada, and rent a Lamborghini by the hour in order to tour up and down the strip feeling ballin' as fuck. My first two questions is, <laughs> is I'm probably going to have to wait another year to do that because I don't have my driver's license. That's true. I and my learners. And also, you've already blown your travel budget for the year. Half the year. Yeah. I uh, still want to do the Magic the Gathering tour when they make the stop in Vancouver in December. Yeah, what are they playing in December? It's a team-limited format, but like I don't really care. I'm going there for the side events. Oh, that... 
actually sounds super fun. Keep me looped on that. I will. Because right. Loading Ready Run is going to go there, and apparently they want to go there in style. Cool. So. I enjoy Magic the Gathering, and also I enjoy style. So I could definitely spend a weekend. It's the only caveat here is it's in that weird week where it's just after Christmas and like Boxing Day in that weekend right before New Year's. That's awkwardly timed. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not like a big Christmas person. I'm not the only time religious I'm or particularly close to my family and I don't love to shop. The religion that I particularly go to does not allow me to celebrate Christmas, but hey, if there's boxing there. Does it not allow you to celebrate Christmas, or it's does it just, just like not a, celebrate? It's all hard now. Oh, well. Fair enough. Well, you're missing very little. Christmas is basically trash. I didn't think I was missing <laughs> Like, it's literally, don't celebrate Christmas, you fall asleep, like, go to bed at 9, get up at 4 in the morning, go to the biggest mall that you possibly can, and spend about $200 on stuff that's probably going to last you in the next year. And that seems great. Years. Whereas Christmas is basically just exhausting. I apologize any Christmas heads out there, but I don't apologize very hard. If I had to make a list of things from religions that I do not follow, that I feel like I'm missing out on, it would not be high on the list. It uh, wasn't high online. No. The, uh... We'll see, what would I... No, that's a different podcast, I think. Yeah, we can, we can do this a different day. <laughs> I mean, like, I... I'm on board to start a podcast with somebody where two atheists go to temples or churches of different religions and then talk about them on a purely aesthetic standpoint. Um, spoiler alert, I'm not atheist. I'm not inviting you to participate in this project. Fair enough. This is just for me. <laughs> hey, I, I do, I'm not going to stop you on the projects that you want to pull off. That's right. I think that'd be fun. Just like from a purely aesthetic. If you ever need somebody to promote that, let me know. All right. Uh, but that, I guess, is pretty much... I can't believe we ended up on religion. Have you listened to my show? We talk about all kinds of shit. <laughs> true, true. But that brings us to the end. I think we're getting to about time. Perfect. Um, this has been the soundtrack to a life. I'm going to answer some questions now. Okay. I'm, frankly, unlikely to listen to an above and beyond record again <laughs> in my life. Fair enough. Uh, past this point, I'm not... In that emotional space. <laughs> 19-year-old me would have demolished this, but current me doesn't have room in his heart for it. Fair enough. Although, I'm probably going to jack Sahara Love and put it on some kind of workout mix. <laughs> I'm expecting if I ever hear you running down the pathway. Yeah, 100%. And I don't hear Sahara Love blasting. 100%. I'm going to question it. That tune killed it. But this has been the soundtrack to a life. I have been Chris. Follow us along on Twitter and Facebook at SoundtrackCast. We are at SoundtrackCast.com. Like us, review us, share us, do those things that you are encouraged to do when you like a podcast. Actually, to bring up the rating system on iTunes. Well, this might be just iTunes alone, but it really could pertain to any podcast material. Five-star ratings get you higher on that list. Yeah, it gets you out to more people. It's important. It's it actually important. helps a lot. Like... I think I put my review in already. I'm not sure if I did. I'll, I'll have to... If I haven't, please don't... If not, Chris. your totes should. I'm probably uh, going to do that five, on the way home. Five-star review and one sentence gets me out to a larger audience if you like the thing I do. Jojo, you got anything you want to push? Do you have an online I presence have, or a Twitch yes. channel or anything? I have Twitch. I have Instagram. I have Twitter. I have Facebook. What are those things called? So my Twitch is JB Red Phoenix. My uh, Instagram is Jojo underscore B A R R I E N T O S. I do have to spell it out because nobody gets my last name right. 
My last name is the third most popular spelling of Monroe, so I feel you. Scottish immigrants in the 1800s were not crazy literate. <laughs> Spaniards in this almost exact same era had made babies into a foreign island, which has more than a couple thousand islands attached to it. So that's why that kind of, that last name trying to just end up that way. That makes sense. My Twitter, it's at Jojo Barrientos, so just take the thing I did. For that, just take the underscore out. Yep. Facebook, if you're friends of mine, we'll chat. I don't particularly add friends from this. That checks out. I wouldn't either. And there are crazies, and Facebook is not for broadcasting. <laughs> right? This has been the soundtrack to a life, you guys. We will be back in a couple of weeks with someone new talking about something new. I